Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk number 33. I'm your host, George, and with me is Barry. Hello. And uh, if you guys like this show, uh, make sure to check us out on patreon.com slash segabits where you can support us with actual dollar bills. But if you still want to support us and don't have them dollar bills, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, or YouTube. That actually helps us a lot. And we appreciate it, especially if you guys share this show with some of your like-minded friends. But today, we're talking about the 1996 treasure-developed Guardian Heroes, which used to be a Sega Saturn exclusive until it was finally released on Xbox Arcade on October 12th, 2011. Um, What is your history with Guardian Heroes, and when when did you first play this game, and what do you think of it? Uh, the first time I played this was actually the re-release because it was a game that was incredibly rare, incredibly expensive. Um, I know it's import friendly, but I did not have a Japanese Saturn until probably like when this was actually hitting Xbox 360. So no need to import. But um, yeah, so you know, I, I started late, but I think the game was definitely... Um, lived up to the hype for sure. It's uh, it's an awesome game, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Oh yeah, um, my history. I mean, I didn't play it when it came out. I feel like the marketing for this game was really dropped because it wasn't like a front and center um, Sega Saturn game. Because like when mm-hmm. the Sega Saturn came out, you had those like everybody knew a few of the games, even if you didn't even follow Sega, like Virtual Fighter, Virtual Cop. These 3D games all got like. A bunch of advertisement they even had tv commercials but i don't remember anybody ever talking about guardian heroes when it came out so i played it way later maybe like in the early 2000s i think it was when i started learning about how you could um i think it was one of my first burnt games if i wanted to like when <laughs> i first was ability to do it i think this is one of the first games this one in like three dirty dwarfs which is another 2d um beat up game for the Sega Saturn, which is also amazing. I mean, maybe we'll do an episode on that one. It's very, I guess, underrated. Mm-hmm. But uh, my my first thoughts of the game was how much of a, like, like the genres of other games just collapse together. And yeah. it's weird because, like, now everybody puts things into, like, RPGs. Like, you'll see, oh, we made this game, but it has this twist to it, right? Like, they'll take a classic gameplay like Castlevania... And add RPG or more RPG systems or more deeper little things from other games. And this is what this game did, but way back in 1996 before anybody was doing this kind of thing. So it's interesting. It was definitely ahead of its time and underrated for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's something you see in a lot of treasure games. If you go back and play these and you've never played them at the time, you're going to be shocked at how innovative they are with their games. And just like the level of complexity going on with the like i'm thinking of um uh uh, what's the other game uh not guardian heroes but gunstar heroes and just Mm -hmm. like there was that boss where you roll a dice remember that and then yeah yeah. 
It was just, it was like next level stuff. I'm like, why? I was playing Sonic at this time and I thought it was amazing that a wrecking ball was going back and forth. And yet here's treasure <laughs> with these insane next level bosses that were all of this stuff's going on. Um, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Uh, the best way to describe Guardians Heroes is basically imagine Streets of Rage or Golden Axe type of beat-em-up game with a level-up system. Back in the day, the team at Treasure, at the time, uh, lead designers Tetsuhuki Kikuchi and Masaki Okoyo mm. called Guardian Heroes a fighting RPG. Uh, Kikuchi said this about tr- creating the game. Uh, why he created the game. First of all, I was starting to feel like the kind of games I like weren't being made anymore. You could say Guardian Hero was a result of me and my searching for what I personally found fun about games. It was made through a lot of trial and error, putting together elements that seemed fun to me. It wasn't like I had this amazing idea for a game right from the start. Uh, Gameplay-wise, the player had few options, including story mode versus mode, where six players could compete as the main characters and unlock monsters, civilians, and bosses in timed battle in like a survival mode. Uh, But most people remember the game due to its single-player mode, which harkens back to being a fighting RPG. The game's story progressions changed based on actions, and the game had branching paths and allowed you to kill enemies and civilians alike. The game even had a similar karma system to Fable. Uh, hmm. What are your thoughts on the game imp- implementing RPG systems into a beat-em-up genre? That's the question. I, mean, I think it's amazing, and I'm really glad they did it because the game stands out from other games at the time. It's not just a beat-em-up with you know slick animation, but it's a beat-em-up with a lot more going on than meets the eye. Kind of reminds me, I mean, just talking about that, Kind of reminds me of like Power Stone 2 and how it wasn't just a fighting game, but it was actually, it kind of did have RPG elements where you're collecting items, you'd go into a shop, you'd mix things. So, I mean, it. I always enjoy games that go a little bit, do a little bit extra than just what's expected of the genre. And again, you know, Treasure, it's it's what they're known for. I really like it. And uh, you could tell the that the developer, when he was talking about it, the designer, he was talking about, I just put all the things that I found fun in games into one, and I guess he just really liked RPGs, I guess, right? Because, I mean, the story even has multiple uh, choices and multiple paths. The paths kind of remind me of, like, OutRun, where you have to play it multiple times to get different results in the end. Mm-hmm. So all those little things really, you know, came and made a really good beat up game. Something that reminds, like, newer games still use, like, uh, what's that game called? Uh, the Night Game, the one that, like, you, you play as, like, a Green Knight, uh, uh, whatever Knight, and then um, it's, oh. like, Castle Crashers. And then yeah, there's, yeah. like, uh, uh, that's uh, Scott Pilgrim. They use yep. the level-up system, and they were obviously inspired by this game. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, stuff came out of this game, you know, copycats, I guess you could say, or yeah. at least... Influence, not copycats, because technically they're different games. Like discussed above, the game also allowed you to earn experience points as you played the game, which was used to improve your character with six attributes. Strength, which was physical damage increase. Vitality, which was HP. Intelligence, which governed the size and spell strength. Mentality, which uh, determines your MP size and recovery. 
Uh, agility, uh, which was your uh, speed of attack and magic. Luck, which uh, it's the damage players give and receive. And I guess they had some special unlock for some one character. But uh, uh, as you can see, this allows you to play the game differently. It allows, it allows you to experiment with uh, experience points. And uh, where did you end up sp spending the most of your experience points? And what lessons did you learn from leveling <laughs> up your characters? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think in a lot of RPGs, I always focus way too heavily on strength and hit points. And I think... Uh, you know, we were talking about Fantasy Star Online. I played as a character that basically just relied on taking hits, but having enough hit points that it really didn't matter, and then just using items to, to fix myself without ever really relying on magic um, or anything like that. So it was all power and uh, lots of hit points. And I think the lesson I learned is that that doesn't always work. <laughs> um, yeah. And especially when it comes to, like, bosses where you need to have things like speed to overcome them or a stronger magic. Because um, nothing sucks more than uh, coming up to a boss and they're like, oh, you have to get them with, uh, uh, like, a fire spell. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, I just use oh, weapons. <laughs> and uh, did you think that that was an issue? Like, I remember when I was a kid and my, uh, like, brother was all into, like... Um, Diablo, which is a game we talked about when uh, we talked about Fantasy Star, another mm -hmm. game. I mean, again, and um, it was always like I always saw these like branching paths, right? Like, oh, you could put it on here and here. And it always kind of seemed intimidating to me. Like, whoa, if I screw up, I have to start all over. I didn't yeah. think of it like that in Guardian Heroes because like beat em ups were always something we replayed growing up. Right. Like it wasn't just something like, oh, man, I invested 80 hours into this character and it's ruined. So... When I played Guardian Heroes, that didn't seem to me like a burden because of that. Right. So to me, it was like, I'm going to start over anyway. Like, it's cool that I could uh, slowly play and then play it a little bit differently. Like, when you get more dodging and you get more uh, more movement speed, you get to be more uh, slicker. You get to go in and out, in and out. Uh, right. Magic. Yeah. Because yeah. so RPG elements can be pretty unforgiving within the confines of an RPG. Because like you said, it's hours and hours of of uh, gameplay. So if you make the wrong decisions, they stick with you to the point where it's almost like I might as well restart the game. And is it worth it? You know, do I want to yeah. go through 40 hours again? But what works really well with a beat em up is that, like you said, it's very replayable. They go quickly. So like you screw up. So what? It's another, what, like 20 minutes of gameplay you have to go back yeah. over. No big deal. So yeah, yeah I think that yeah. worked for this game. It didn't give you that burden, right? Like, Oh mm -hmm. my God, no. So that's why I enjoyed this way more than I would enjoy a game like Diablo because of my uh, weird obsession with <laughs> screwing everything up. Oh, no, it's over. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that Guardian Heroes did was use three plane 2D level design. This meant that players could jump from a forward plane to a middle plane to a back plane, and each plane would have enemies. Uh, this uh, plane jumping was kind of popularized by the SNK fighting game Fatal Fury. I don't know if you remember that game. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts about multiplayer games like this? And do you generally enjoy this? I guess aspect. Um, I think I enjoy them when they're done right. I don't like them when it becomes a chore to have to keep track of. Like I, I prefer where you're just like walking forward and backwards on the screen like in you know any any standard beat em up 
Um, yeah. So it's it's hard to say. Like it's it it can be fun, but it can also be just a bit of a chore. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just I was just thinking about that. Like um, I was thinking, oh, do I like that implemented in any game? And I'm thinking like no. And I'm like, what games have I played? They had it implemented, and I'm like, Guardian Heroes and Fatal Fury uh, Final Bout. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, like, but I enjoy those games. And then I started thinking, yeah, but I enjoy it not because of that, just because mm-hmm. they're great games that have that ability in them. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so to me, it's like, would I like it if it was just like a Streets of Rage sort of like playing? And I would like probably would have liked it better. I mean, I don't think it ruins the game, but again, it's not something that stands out as a oh my god, that's an amazing choice and it blew my mind I'm buying that game because it has three planes, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. It doesn't destroy the game. It isn't, it's just more annoying sometimes, especially when you're playing with a bunch of people and there's a bunch of bad guys in sc- on screen and mm-hmm. you don't know which plane they're on so you're jumping back and forth and you have that animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just how I feel about it. I, yeah. Do you like it or dislike it or just whatever about it? I, I'm whatever about it. Like I games I'm thinking of that do have it. It's either like not a big deal. Like uh, Sonic Mania had it, but it was very rare. Um, in that one stage, remember you were jumping to the background, the foreground. Um, you know nothing, nothing too crazy. Dick Tracy kind of had it. Um, I don't know if you've played Dick Tracy on the Genesis, but yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're walking along, you shoot people, punch people on the foreground, and then little guys appear in the background like a shooting gallery, and you switch to a Tommy gun and you're shooting around the background. I think that works because it's two gameplay styles, and you can kind of learn to switch between, you know, like running forward, shoot the guy in front of you, there's a guy behind you. It's fun, um, but it all depends on how much effort it is to switch between the planes. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've never played a virtual boy, but in looking at a lot of those games, they do that where it's like, Oh, there's something happening behind you jump back there. And it seems like such a chore. Um, yeah. so at least here it's not as bad, but it's definitely not my favorite aspect of guardian heroes. And if it wasn't in it, I'd, I'd be fine with it. You know, and I, in the sequel, which we'll talk about later does not have that. They took that mm. out, which is kind of weird, but um, oh my god, I lost my place in the in the notes. Oh, well, we <laughs> talked a lot about all these different systems that Treasure Treasure merged together to create this game. The actual game was ins- that inspired Treasure are probably games that might not pop into your mind right away, according to Mr. Kikuchi, the designer in the game. He said, hit, when they asked him what influenced you, he said Capcom's Alien vs Predator. Since that one came out, I've been too busy with development to play any games. Uh, this interview was back in 1996, I should add. Some of the other developers have been playing stuff like Virtual Fighter, though. So a number of things from that made their way into Guardian Heroes. And they asked him what he liked about Alien vs. Predator. He mm-hmm. said, there, are, there was just something about it that when I saw it for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is what I've been looking for. It's one of those games that just makes you feel like you're a badass. I was really impressed by the impossible acrobatic moves the Predators could do. I think you'll clearly see that influence in future games I direct or design. Hmm. Um, have you ever played Capcom's Alien vs. Predator beat-em-up game? And are you surprised that that's the game named as an influence 
but not games like like iconic games like uh, Double Dragon, Final Fight, or Golden Axe? Um, I have not played Alien vs. Predator, but I have seen gameplay footage of it. I know it's a rare game, and mm-hmm. I know that actually right before we recorded, I was reading um, the front page of our website, segabits.com, and I had that arcade one-up Sega cabinet story, and in the comments, someone was mentioning, um, a, they actually were talking about the Alien vs. Predator game and how they don't like how it's locked behind that uh, big Capcom logo, remember, with like the sticks that it's like a plug and play. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I remember that. So that's on it. So actually, that got me thinking about it. So the fact you bring it up, it's actually fresh in my mind. Um, I, but in looking at it, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think if you were if you were just reading this uh, on like a Wikipedia entry or something, you'd be like, "Wow, that's really weird." But you gotta imagine at the time, uh, the games that have since become classics. Uh, you know, there were other games out there that either have become forgotten because they're um, hard to find now, or because they're just you know they never really caught on and became that popular. So uh, I, I totally could see that game influencing him. It's not a shock to me really at all because it seems much more in line with this game than the other ones you mentioned are oh yeah and like yeah i could i could tell that (laughs) alien versus predator i could see why they would like it if you played past treasure titles they have weird aliens weird creatures and Mm -hmm. even the like the 2d pixel design kind of reminds me a lot of a treasure game uh i mean it's capcom but it's it's a great game i've played it uh on the main um, mm-hmm. cabinet emulation and uh it's cool it, i'm not surprised it's a cult classic and i'm not surprised he's influenced by it i just you just assume that he would do something like golden axe because of the i guess swords and sorcery uh right uh you know thing and that that was a huge game and there was also other capcom games that did uh medieval fantasy like the Dungeons and dragons beat em up games at the time so he probably was influenced by a lot of games at the time it just seems that during this interview, which was in 1996, this one was the fresh game in his mind. Right. Um, we discussed a lot about the gameplay, but one thing an RPG needs is a story. And Guardian Heroes had one. I Oh, they had one. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so let me read you the manual, the U.S. manual story. And then we could talk about what you think about the storyline and how much it affected your childhood and made you become a hero that you are today. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> the Guardian Heroes are a group of adventurers who love nothing more than excitement and adventure. They've banded together in search for a legendary sword, the one which supposedly saved the world in ancient times. One day, Han, one of our Guardian Heroes, is walking in the forest when he comes across a sword st- stuck out. Uh, taking it back to the Guardian Heroes headquarters, Han shows it to his friends. Could this be the legendary sword? Suddenly, a stranger bursts into the hero's HQ as she is warning the Guardian heroes to beat a hasty... I don't know what that means. The royal guard knights arrive under orders of the king's advisor, Cannon, to find the ancient sword. Cannon must have the sword at any cost and the heroes want to know why. The answers to that question will take them on a quest across the land through battle after thrilling battle. Every decision counts as this sword and sorcery fantasy. Uh, in this sword and sorcery fantasy, making the right ones and bring the guardian heroes to victory. Make the wrong ones and the sword will fall into the hands of darkness. 
What are your thoughts on the Guardian Heroes storyline and your thoughts on the game having uh, multiple paths uh, for your story and letting you choose? I love it. Um, I think it's very cool. And it's, it's actually interesting. We were, like I mentioned, uh, Power Stone. This kind of has a Power Stone vibe because it's a eclectic group of heroes. They all have one goal. And the end result is different for each one because they each want to use the, uh, you know, in this case, the sword for, you know, likely different reasons, you know. Mm. Um, it also kind of evokes... Uh, What's that game? The one, um, not Space Ace, the other one. You know what I'm talking about. I, I don't think I know what you're talking about. Uh, 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 you have to look it up. Dragon Slayer. I was going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where it's it's more like a goofy animated kind of take on a uh, medieval setting. And I think, too, the reason why they went with this setting as as opposed to something else, was because the RPG elements just really fit it well. Yeah, yeah. You have to go through a lot of um, planning and design direction in order to make it work for anything else, as seen with, you know, like Earthbound and um, Fantasy Star Online. So I'm sure they were kind of in a crunch here, a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. not like they had Probably. the luxury to make this game. So and, uh... I could see... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there's a there's a little quote from him. I'll maybe I'll pull it up, but he was basically just saying if he was happy with his game, and of course, no developer I've ever heard in Japan is happy with the product. Like we talked about in the first episode of Sega Talk, like even Outrun, even though I feel like that's one of the most perfect racing games or whatever, they wanted to do a lot more to it. And so the fact that we got what it is, I think sometimes you know, cutting the game short helps the game, I think. Because, mm -hmm. like, one of the iconic things about Outrun is you have one car and it's a Ferrari. They wanted to do, you know, choices in that game. But as for the story, it reminds me a lot of, like, Golden Axe, but, like, a reverse. Instead, like, in Golden Axe, they have to stop, what's his name, uh, Death Adder, and mm -hmm. get the Golden Axe. This one, the heroes already have the weapon. They're just figuring out the truth behind the weapon, which is a sword. Mm -hmm. Um so there's something, you know, in beat-em-ups where it's like ancient relic. You have to figure it out. <clears throat> so, yeah, it works out. It's not super amazing, and I don't think they were going for a super amazing story. But I like what it is for what it is because I just played the game and beat things up. That's why, why mm -hmm. I played the game. And um, what do you think about the animated cutscenes or whatever they had in the game? Cool. I mean, they, they blew <laughs> me away, and I was watching them back in the Xbox 360 era, you know? Yeah. It's cool yeah. because, like, I always wanted something like that for, like, Guardian Heroes. Like, uh, a lot of uh, treasure games just feel like they're really anime. Like, mm -hmm. these these are just, they feel like they could be an anime TV show sometimes. Like, with the designs and everything. Absolutely. Um, um, the game had a pretty well-known soundtrack that was composed by Hideki Mata Masataki, who was a member of the iconic Yellow Magic Orchestra. And Nazo hmm. Suzuki. Have you ever heard of the Yellow Magic Orchestra? I haven't. It sounds like a Beatles thing, like the Yellow it, Submarine. Yeah, you're right, actually. It is. And yeah. they were made they were in the seventies. They've had billboard uh hits. They've done music with a bunch of pop stars. They're actually really famous. I actually looked up their Wikipedia. I didn't know who they were before. The notes and I heard some of their tracks and they they, they have they make good music. So <laughs> check them out. Um 
the music came out and it had electronic with some jazzy undertones. Um, in your opinion, what is your favorite track and what is your opinion overall of the whole soundtrack? Um, I have not heard the soundtrack in a bit, uh, but I think the most memorable one is, as, <laughs> as it always is with games, the first stage because that's what you experience the most. Mm, um, yeah. I believe it's titled, what, Awakening? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I, I enjoy that one, but, you know, sitting down with the soundtrack, there are some really great ones. Um, but I, I honestly, I can't, I can't pinpoint any of them. How about you? That, um, well, the, I only know one track from the back of my head. See, this is the thing. Like, I don't listen to soundtracks. I know a lot of people that play video games are like naming you tracks and then they get really angry at me sometimes when they're like, but what about the music? Why didn't you talk about the music in this review? But uh, I know Schiffler in the dark. I had to look it up before we did this, but um, that's a cool track, and, I, and it's always burning in the back of my head. Like I'm just you know humming it and stuff. And uh, Jazzy Sabotage is like the title of this of the track. But there's you get the soundtrack online it has like 27 tracks. I actually hope that they do a data disc for this. I know they just mm -hmm. did. Um, they just did Radiant Silver Gun, which has nothing to do with Sega. But I hope they release this one because we've only had a CD release of it. And that was way back in the day, I think maybe in the early 2000s. So this is kind of a rare thing to pick up it physically. Um, and I would like to have a, I guess, copy of it. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> I actually like the soundtrack and I like collecting soundtracks. So it's one of those things that I'm looking forward to. Um, will you buy a data disc of this? I probably wouldn't just because there's a backlog of ones that I still want to get. I really want to get Outrun, but they have not re-released uh, it. Oh, they haven't? Mm, I don't believe a, so, no. That was but, a slick, um, that's a slick release. I feel like you'd get this. Oh, yeah, of course I would get it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a Treasure fan. Like, I feel like growing up, if you're a Sega fan and you liked Sega consoles... You had to like treasure games. At least I did. Like I always thought they were like Sega games. Like I always thought of them as the same family, even though they were you know, uh, independent. Treasure was kind of like the platinum games of the '90s for Sega. Oh hell yeah! Yes. Yeah, you know, like there are people who are like super hardcore into them. They'll buy every game coming out, even the ones that are so-so. They're still like, oh, but it had great ideas. And uh, and then there will be the people who go, yeah, but they're not true Sega games. <laughs> true, true. So. But uh, I guess they're kind of like um, what Konami was for early Nintendo or Capcom, I guess. When, you know, when Capcom was making all those N Super Nintendo exclusives and everybody, mm. all the Sega fans were like, I wish I had that game. Well, yeah. Sega fans had treasure and they're like, you wish you had this game, right? Like, you know, uh, Gunstar Heroes, Alien Soldier. You know. Anyway, yeah. so let's talk about uh, this. Is something I want to add in new episodes, and I want to expand on this aspect. But I want to look at old reviews. I couldn't find too many old reviews online, and I had no time to like pick out my uh, back catalogs and look for hopefully something. So while we discussed Guardians Heroes being a cult classic, it wasn't that well received back in the day. So this is what they say on the internet, by the way. What? But I actually looked it up. And it actually got like an 88 Metacritic. But then again, we're not looking at every review. So mm -hmm. I'm going to call BS on that. I think it was well enough because I couldn't find a bad review online really. That Outside of making 
at, uh, points that we already know. So the most negative review I found was uh, Game Pro's Scary Larry, who had a <laughs> long wind, who talked about the game's long-winded dialogue and bad graphics. He said, "Those poor, simpler graphics have no place on a next-gen machine. Colorful doesn't always mean clean, and there are plenty of jagged edges and pixelated fires and breakup. I don't know what that means." I guess when they uh, break, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Sorry. Uh, regardless of this, he still gave the game a strong recommendation. Uh, what are your opinions on the game's graphics, and did it affect your enjoyment of the game? Um, I thought the, the graphics were like the main reason to play the game before you really get into the gameplay style. Like just seeing videos of this, you want to get your hands on it and play it. It looks awesome. Okay. So. Because, like, I don't know, a lot of people that I knew at the time were kind of down on not it not being the 3D game. And I guess that's something that we had to deal with as uh, in the mid-90s where everybody yeah. wanted everything to be 3D. And then now we go back. Now kids these days are, like, going back and playing 2D games and going, oh, I don't want to play 3D, well, yeah, early and, 3D. And that's the thing, like... <laughs> Looking back, the Saturn got so much shit back in the day because people were like, oh, another 2D game. Come on, it's it's the 90s. We want 3D games. And it's like, dude, you're talking about Guardian Heroes and Astal and Rayman, like some of the most iconic, classic, beautifully animated sprite games. But because it does not have your next-gen 3D graphics, which look like shit on PlayStation 1 and Saturn, you're upset. Like... These people, a lot of these people were clearly living in the moment, and I don't blame them. But, you know, those, some of these quotes will really age terribly because you look ahead and people are like, oh, I really liked that game where it was a blocky mess and I couldn't see five feet in front of me and no one plays this game anymore. Whereas everyone's talking about these, you know, 2D classics and really wishing that we saw like a Sonic Mania style game on the Saturn. You know, it's just. It was a weird time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like now it's funny because like now when you look at games that sold a ton, it's like you got games like uh, Shovel Knight trying to be an NES game. You got uh, like Undertale trying to look like a Super <laughs> Nintendo game. But if those games came out on the like Nintendo 64 or on the Saturn or whatever at the time, people would be like, no, this is bad graphics this should not be on next gen consoles but now right we, we have these machines that have the power to run beautiful uncharted for like looking games but people are like playing uh old super uh nes looking games like oh this is fun yeah and i i will admit that in the modern day i'm kind of over games that look like nes or even snes style like I, I think that if you are going to do 2D pixel games now, like try to push for like peak Saturn era. You know what I mean? Like try to emulate stuff like Guardian Heroes or uh, or like I mentioned Rayman or Astal rather than trying to look like, you know, it was 1986. I get the appeal and the aesthetic, but for me, like I'm kind of over it. The gimmick's kind of worn off for me. I don't and, know. Um... There's it's it's trying to make the game look like the characters were animated uh, on mm -hmm. screen like anime figures, and yep. I think the the best that were there are two other games we just talked about before that was influenced by Guardian Heroes or had an RPG element, but Scott Pilgrim and uh, Castle Crashers, 
both mm-hmm. also used like these like unique art styles. One of them was like a flash art style, Castle Crashers, and the other one was a uh, manga slash comic book art style with Scott Pilgrim. And I think that if we ever got a brand new like real like Guardian Heroes remake from the ground up with new sprites, um, they would just look like smooth animated like I guess Skull Girls or Scott Pilgrim, right? Like high detail right. they wouldn't have the pixelated yeah. look that they had that would look slick i i would mm-hmm. actually like that as a re-release but the game isn't as popular as me and you would like it to be so it's probably not going to happen with sega's but uh i guess money or how they spend their money but let's talk about uh designer mr kikuchi which he was interviewed <laughs> again in 1996 when he talked about what he thought about the mixed reactions uh about the game and that's why i wrote that it had mixed reactions because they asked him in the interview in 1996 about it so um he said i think this schism 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 sorry it's emerged between players and developers in the early days there was a sense that players and developers were searching for a new style and and genres uh genres to uh for new styles and genres together there was a kind of reciprocity between them. For example, if a game only allowed you to jump and punch, then players would explore all the different ways that mechanic could be utilized, realized in gameplay in the gameplay. And for developers, it was another company. If another company released a game in a certain genre, that developer would certainly try to do something different. But recently, there's been an increase in a number of players that show no interest in finding their own way to play. Everything is becoming very passive, with players not wanting to do any work, but just sort of play the game as if they were watching a movie. And developers, too, have learned a system of co- that consistently sells games. If something new comes out, they all just imitate that. Now you can call that cowardly, yes, but from our perspective at Treasure, we see this as a big chance for us. A more and more knockoff games... Proliferate. We think that by doing something uh, decisively new, players will take notice, and it's good. It's a good time for us. Um, This was back in 1996, right? So, Mm -hmm. do you find what he says is correct that most people are more passive and aren't being more unique when they play games, and? is he right this is like 24 years ago so is he right Right. or do you think even though we had more genres like i think in the last 10 years we've been we've kind of increased the genres that we have and more things are more popular but do you think that developers are still doing the copycat the let's play it safe the what do uh i guess like sonic mania uh working on something that's worked in the past i mean even indie but yeah. indies are doing that um i i think at the time and even now yeah it it is definitely by and large people are playing it safe and we're seeing that i mean more and more with uh people are like oh did you see the new Battlefront or company of heroes you know like it's they're they're all kind of the same game with just minor enhancements and gaming journalism doesn't really get excited until someone's like hey, this game is a standard Mario game, but you throw a hat at something and you become different. They're like, oh my God, they're mixing it up. They're trying something new. And it's like, yeah, they are, but I feel like game developers should be doing this a lot more often. 
and that it's i mean it's hard because it's hard because like we all like our mcdonald's right like we have like sonic mania people would say this would fall under that right but we like so yeah we like it. Um, let's say uh, Mario. How many Mario games have released? People like it. Um, how about Marvel movies? We're living in an age where the mm. more we know our audience, the more the the people that are different despise the mainstream, I guess, because we already found right. the path for the money. Um, I do like right. that Treasure was one of those companies was like, I don't care. Um I'll do a beat 'em up game, and then we'll do a uh, a shoot 'em up game, a, a rail shooter. We'll do whatever we want. Um, and they never, I guess, stayed what what was popular. Like during the mid '90s, they probably should have done a 3D fighting game if they wanted to be popular, right? But they didn't. They mm-hmm. were like, "We're gonna do a beat 'em up game because we like beat 'em up games, and we used to play them in arcades." So I love them about that. Uh, I love that about them, but I feel like. That's the reason they're not popular, and that's the reason why they only have like ten employees, according to Wikipedia. So hmm. <laughs> I think it's the reason we don't see big budget games from them anymore, which is sad right. because I mean I I feel like they're one of the best developers from Japan that aren't making games right now that maybe need a contract or at least make some remakes of their past games or at least goddamn sure. it release this game on other consoles. But before we talk about other consoles, let's talk about it actually getting a, I guess, port late uh, back in 2011 on Xbox Live. So we finally we finally got it in October 12, 2011. Mm-hmm. And the port actually changed a lot of things from the original, including a widescreen 16 by 9 aspect ratio that expanded the field of play, which will let you see more bad guys, which is actually one of the biggest reasons to play this version of it. Uh, the game featured original remix graphics mode and had a lot of filters to make the sprites look nicer. And I always I hate those filters, but mm-hmm. um, remix mode included new attacking, dodging, and air dashing and air recovery uh, recoveries, which was inspired by Treasure's Bleach, the Blade of Fate fighting game they made. Treasure mm-hmm. even went in and made changes to the dialogue and updated. Some of the game a game story, including changing names of Earth and Sky Spirits to Earth Blood and Skyborn. I don't know why that's a big deal, but they changed hmm. the names, um, which is a weird change. Um, the Xbox Live Arcade port also featured online play for, uh, for multiplayer modes and expanded on the competitive mode, which now allowed 12 concurrent players instead of six on the Sega Saturn. They also added arcade mode and endless gauntlet as new modes. As wow. of November, as of November 6, 2016, the game is now playable on Xbox One. Uh, it seems that Guardian HD is the definitive version of the game, and is available on Xbox. I guess. I mean, I put modern systems, but really just Xbox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think the game needs a port to uh, Switch and PS4? And uh, what do you think about the changes in the game? And I guess. It's really an expansion of the game. They should have just called yeah. it Guardian Heroes HD Plus. Or Remix or something. Or yeah. Remix, yeah. Um, I, I do think the game needs ports, but as we see from Sega ever since the Xbox 360 era, they kind of pick and choose these remakes to go on certain consoles. Like we have 3D Classics and Sega Ages, but then Xbox 360 
has all these Xbox Live Arcade uh, exclusives. Like I know M2 did a few uh, collections. And then there was this one from Treasure. Uh, Afterburner Climax, was that on PS3? Yeah, Afterburner Climax was on yeah. PS3. Yeah, and then they would like they would do ones like that where it was like Daytona or Afterburner Climax and it would go yeah. to multiple systems. So it's like if you are a Sega remake or a re-release fan, you need to own every console in order to enjoy everything. So and, uh, I, I think at this at this point they should spread it out a little more. I would love to see it on Switch and PS4. I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. But, um, you know, never say thing, never. One thing I did notice from uh, Treasure on uh, Twitter... Mm -hmm. they've been talking more about porting games over and uh one of the i think we got ikagura which they own that's I right say and we've gotten it on switch pc uh and i think it's on ps4 um it used to, it feels like for a while they were they had some some contract with microsoft back in the 360 days when microsoft was trying to like get their foothold in japan i remember there's even rumors that they were going to make a new shoot em, shooting game exclusively for xbox and that's why they were re-releasing the treasure games exclusive on xbox live arcade and that never happened it was canceled and nobody ever talked about it it was just like a like a little mention so mm -hmm. that that kind of sucks but i think that's the reason guardian heroes stayed exclusive because i think microsoft might have paid for it and it wasn't mm -hmm. a sega thing and it's the same thing with res but we'll see now we got it everywhere so Maybe yeah. we'll see a limited run games of this version too. That'd be pretty slick. It no would be cool to... to see a treasure compilation and call it Treasure Chest. And I think have they, did, it... they, they did something like that in Japan for the Sega Ages version, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool for America. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. While fans have been clamoring both Sega and Treasure for a sequel to Guardian Heroes. Uh, for years, we got just that on an unlikely platform. In 2004, they released Advanced Guardian Heroes on the Game Boy Advance under publisher Ubisoft, which mm -hmm. had nothing to do with Sega. This sequel took away the three-plane system and added a new air dash and homing jumps, which I'm assuming is the ones that were added into the re-release. I don't really want to go into all the details about the game because we could technically do a new episode. Uh, but it wasn't well-received compared to the original, with Metacritic giving it a 65 out of 100, according to IGN. Just because it's a treasure game doesn't automatically make it a fantastic gaming experience, and Advanced Guardian Heroes proves that, develop that the development team isn't this group of infallible game designers. The core game de uh, design element is currently sound, and when the action retains its full uh, pace, it's actually a lot of fun. But the processor slowdown is downright unbearable in places, and it's far too frequent to be acceptable. It's rare, it's rare when a game keeps up uh, to its intended speed, which makes it next to impossible to do specific moves that are important to succeed to the game's levels. The game's story presentation also adds to a sloppy feel of the production, and seems like it was rushed straight through the translation cycle without any brush-up to make the tale coherent after experiencing the stunning uh, product that is the studio's astro boy omega force it's more than a little disappointing to take a significant step backwards with advanced guardian heroes hmm. so 
have you ever played this game and what are your thoughts about the sequel coming out on a Game Boy Advance? I have not played this. I do have Gunstar Superheroes and I love it. Yeah, and now too. that you're mentioning Astro Boy Omega Force, I want to run downstairs and see if I own that because I feel like I bought it. It's a good game. I don't game. recall if I did. It's, it is a cool game though. Um, but yeah, I was aware of this. I haven't played it. But I I mean, it is it is what they were doing at the time. They were doing Game Boy Advance games. I think at the time it's disappointing, but looking back, Game Boy Advance really was the home to a lot of fantastic sequels and kind of not remakes, but there were a lot of, like, Dreamcast games on the Game Boy Advance, actually, like, like mobile versions of them, and I love the console. Like, I think Game Boy Advance is my favorite Nintendo uh, platform, really. I just, mm. I think it's an awesome uh, system. The little, the one that opens with the light-up screen, it's awesome. Um, I, I got one that's, like, just the old version, but just modified yeah. back screen but i i love the game boy advance too i think it's like as close as i get to the nomad i mean it's a little yeah. more powerful but it's a nice little console and it got a lot of i think people forget how popular that thing was like it was getting a ton of games that even yeah, shouldn't and even be in there like we're like yeah. look them 3d all right i'll play it yeah yeah and i i wouldn't say the game boy advance is like a uh like a mobile version of the Saturn, so it it does kind of seem like a weird decision in that case. But when you look at like the release order of Nintendo hardware, the Game Boy Advance is kind of like their Saturn in the sense that it was a 2D powerhouse rolling off of the SNES, whereas the Saturn was a 2D powerhouse rolling off of the Genesis. Difference being that you know the the Game Boy Advance is portable it has the Game Boy uh name on it so people don't really make that connection but when i play it 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 very clearly feels like a like SNES2 to me yeah um, and it's crazy how much Sega Genesis or Sega sequels it technically got like they had a Jetson radio game on it why i why mm-hmm. not Space Channel 5 it had the Choo Choo Rocket it had um yeah yeah Gunstar Heroes I, Super Gunstar Heroes. It had uh, Advanced Guardian Heroes. It's crazy. I think I own like 15 Game Boy Advance games, and every single one are Sega games. I don't know. I think I maybe own Advance Wars, but that's about it. You know, like if you're a Sega fan and you have not checked out the Game Boy Advance, it's well worth owning, despite Advanced Guardian Heroes probably not living up to sequel material. And and there was a collection of classic Sega arcade games, and one of them was uh, it had like a port of Outrun. I played the, I played that a lot because it was like back in the day playing Outrun portably in an arcade version. As, I mean, it wasn't close to it, but it was pretty cool. They had fighting games, they had everything. It was insane back then. I remember mm-hmm. uh, those like Tekken or whatever ports that looked like semi two D. You know what I mean? You know that three D look that those games had. Mm-hmm. Where like the pixel, like the pixels were very terrible when they try to make them three D because it's uh, basically a Super Nintendo. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm very like mixed about the idea of making uh, sequels to like a Saturn game on like a uh, Game Boy. Like I feel like it should have been on. Um, they should have just waited and put it on an Xbox three hundred and sixty and made it like an Xbox Live yeah. Arcade game. And it's sad yeah. that there, there won't be a budget for the animation, but I think it, it would have been very slick. 
It would have been cool as a bonus to the, the Xbox 360 release. I just recently picked up the Aladdin Lion King uh, uh, multi-pack for the PS4. And as bonuses, it has the Game Boy games. And they're really weird and kind of unplayable. But it's just kind of a cool way to see what they were doing at the time for the handheld consoles. So if they could just have done a straight-up, like, emulation of the sequel as a bonus, it would have been cool. Because otherwise, it's only going to be on the Game Boy Advance from here on out, and people are just going to be forgetting about it. Like we probably almost did if we didn't, you know, mention it at the end of this. Yeah, and um, I would... Also, I just want to bring up that Castle Crashers, which we talked about, is a beat-em-up game with RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Um, according to this article from uh, this September, or 2019, September 2019, that game just re-released a remastered on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One again. But mm-hmm. before that, it sold over 20 million copies. So that says there is sort of a market for a couch co-op beat em up game with RPG elements. So, I mean, maybe one day somebody will come back and port it, uh, do, re-release the port baby on Switch and see how it does. But uh, I think there is a lot of people that are just need, they like these kind of like couch co-op games. Like, there's not a lot of them out there. And um, this is the first one. It, it would be sick to have a new re-release on PS4 and Switch just to see how it does. Because mm-hmm. I think maybe Sega will be a little more surprised. Um, For sure. Anything else you want to add to the game before we close this episode of Sega Talk? Um, you know, I I just I see here in the notes uh, is there still a market for beat 'em up RPGs, and it it got me thinking. Um, Streets of Rage Four, like I hope there's more to that game. You think they'll no. add like uh, RPG elements to it? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think they will. But I'm just like just thinking about this. It's like it, it's gonna be 2020. It is 2020, um, and I just I feel like Streets of Rage just needs a little bit extra than just just animation and extra characters. I don't it know. Does, it would be fun. It does look like the animation, the art style. It reminds me of yeah. Wonder Boy, which is amazing. I like that game the way it looks. I think mm-hmm. they're, what they look like they're doing right now is focusing on at least um, the juggling system and the, that fighting system they got going on, which I actually mm-hmm. think looks pretty slick. But I agree. There's something about the game that I think they're hiding from us. Like, I think there's more beneath the – well, they're show, they've only shown us, like, let's say when you put all the footage together, five minutes of footage, if that. Right. So we'll see. Um, I would, yeah. Can you imagine them doing a Guardian Heroes HD remake or a brand new one? That That'd be That'd awesome. Be pretty, that'd be pretty cool. Thanks, you guys, for listening to today's Sega Talk. We'll catch you guys in another, the week after next week, when we cover a yes. different game. Uh, if you guys want to tell us what game to cover, you could go on our Patreon and tell us, or you could hound us on Twitter and maybe we'll listen and have no other idea what to do and just play the episode you <laughs> want. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. Maybe. Yeah. What game mm. you want to do, Barry? Uh, Sonic. So we'll, we'll do Sonic 06 again, part two. That'd be sick. I can't All right. wait. Bye, guys. Bye, kids. Cool. <laughs>